0: Well, happy Father's Day, happy Mother's Day, happy Kid's Day. What's a happy day when you get candy, right? Happy, happy, happy. We're all happy. So hopefully it'll be a great day for you today. And uh, if you are planning something special for the fathers, we'll um, uh, hope that everything goes well. And for those that might be watching this uh, online a little bit later on, uh, sorry you missed out on the candy cups. They were delish, okay? And we hope to see you next Sunday. Well, we are continuing in our Luke 3 and Me series. We're almost to the end. We've come to the last two segments in this sermon series. Let me just say to Alan, I watched his sermon, uh, and what a good job he did last week. Thank you, Alan, for filling in the pulpit. Yeah took that uh, historical perspective of the intertestamental period and explained it very, very well with all the the different empires that existed and how that uh, made for the perfect timing of the coming of Christ. So thank you very much, Alan, for taking And uh, Blaine's here to thank to to last week for singing for us and sharing with us in music. Yeah. We're just so blessed to have lots of talent around here. And we're trying to wrap this uh, Luke 3 and Me series up. We've been studying the genealogy of Jesus uh, that's found in Luke chapter 3, verse 23 and following. And we've gone through all the Old Testament. We've talked about the intertestamental period. And today we want to talk about Mary and Joseph as mom and dad of Jesus. It's Father's Day, so it fits well. It's a good opportunity for us to talk about the mom and dad of Jesus Uh, And today, I want us to talk about it in terms of what I'm going to call parental partnership. Parental partnership. And what I mean by that is that I hope everyone realizes that God is the one who blesses us, some of you think it's a curse, with our children. So they are His children. And one of the things that we've had to learn from the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve, is that every person that's born is born fresh. They're a gift that God gives to this world. And it's sin that corrupts. It's sin that compromises. It's sin that makes things more difficult for us in life. And it's been that way since the very beginning. And we don't seem to learn the lesson very well because each generation thinks that they can do it without God. And when they try to do it without God, it gets real chaotic and things look to collapse. And hopefully in our country we'll have a revival among the generation that's uh, upcoming, the, the Z generation, our youngest uh, kids, and they will be able to lead out and they'll reject some of the, the distance that millennials have created between God and families and uh, revive in that truth. And that's my prayer. But the truth of the matter is, is that God has given us our children and for those parents who fail to realize that, they don't partner with him in raising the kids. Here's what I know about my children. Had I not partnered with God in raising those kids, I personally would have messed them up royally. Now, the only other forgiving thing is I married the perfect mom and my wife Elizabeth. So she's helped kind of uh, take the edge off my uh, off my parenting skills. But I realize that... The thing that's helped me the most is just teaching my children about God and saying that, listen, it's not so much about you honoring me or doing what I think is right or wrong. You do what God is, you honor God, you do what he says is right or wrong, and then whatever else you do in your life, I'll be fine with, as long as you don't reject God, because we partner with him in raising our kids. Now I don't know about you, but I'm growing a little weary of the battles and clashes that are raging around us. We've got chaos going on in all different kinds of our country today. Now I'm thankful we've not seen it locally too much. There's not been a lot of violence. There have been any buildings burnt down. There have been no targets looted or anything like that. So I'm thankful that for the most of us who live in around in this area, I don't wake up at night when I hear gunfire and think that there's a riot taking place. I think my neighbors are shooting at raccoons. You know. There's a big difference. By the way, we've got a raccoon problem this year in our backyard. And with Andrew away, who's normally the one who chases away, with the, chases away the raccoons, and I'm not going to tell you how he does it. I don't even want to know. But we have these raccoons that have been digging in our mulch, making really deep pits. Do they do that around your house too? Now I don't know if you can I know how I can trap chipmunks in buckets, but I don't know how to get rid of the Ricky the raccoons unless I'm standing there with a with a broom or something to scare them away. But if you got any advice, let me know. Like if I can put pepper down in the holes or whatever. If you got some old home remedy that would be great. But when I hear gunshot around my house, I don't think immediately there's a riot, or someone's at my front door trying to break in, or they're, they're vandalizing our neighborhood. I just think, you know, some, someone's doing target practice or something like that. So it really hasn't reached much around here, but I am aware, based upon what I've seen on television and the news stations, that there's a tide of anger and resentment that has been rekindled. Now, I don't say that it's new because it's the same old resentment and anger that's been around for decades and decades. It's just been rekindled by a group of people who are mad because there's an injustice that took place up in Minnesota. And I, you can, you, I, I, this is not a sermon, it's not a political sermon about any of that. It's just to, to observe that this goes on in our culture all the time. And it seems like each time it happens, we get closer and closer to chaos. Where I listen to people respond to it, and I think, man, you done lost your mind to respond that way. Because what we're doing is we're drifting further and further and further away from the common sense truth of Scripture that teaches us about how we deal with these cultural issues. And we're allowing the world to create a greater divide that's sparked by these current events. Now, I don't know how you feel about Phil Robertson. You know, the Doug Dynasty, Phil Robertson. His son, Jace, and his other son, Al who is a Church of Christ preacher, they have a podcast called Unashamed. And on this podcast, he normally is with his boys and they invite other members of the family and they're having a Bible study, but what they end up doing more than anything else is just telling old stories. And the reason I like listening to the Unashamed podcast from time to time is because the Robertson clan, they've never claimed to be perfect, especially Phil. And the, the, the gotcha culture thought they were going to get him whenever he found out that he had a daughter that was born uh, while uh, out of wedlock uh, to a woman other than Miss K uh, 45 years ago. The world was shocked when the family said, hey, we love her, we embraced her, she's our sister. But when they get to talking, they're telling all kinds of stories and uh, I've been listening here uh, recently, and they're trying discussing the root cause of all the unrest in our country today. And Phil's offered a number of observations, but the one that has really struck me the most was the simple statement that all of this can be traced back to the breakdown in the family. It is a cultural break- breakdown, true. It is a breakdown in terms of our interaction our relationship with one another but it really goes right back down to the breakdown of family and more specifically he says the chilling effects of a fatherless generation now that term fatherless generation i've heard it before but for some reason it resonated in my mind as i was preparing for this message the world's done everything it can including hollywood sugarcoat their redefinition of family to make it such that fathers are no longer needed in the context of the family unit. Fathers have been vilified. Suspicion should always be upon the father because you never know what he has done or is doing. And so in Hollywood's beautiful way of recreating things. They have touching scenarios which suggest that a father or husband is no longer necessary or a value in the home. I mean, just watch some of the things that they produce. Read some of the books that come out or listen to some of the music that's out there. You see, they ignore the statistics which demonstrate the opposite reality of what happens. They create this wonderful reality that a family without a father, is hey, okay, they'll be fine. But statistics don't bear that truth out. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Census. That's five times the national average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless fatherless homes. That's 32 times the average. 85% of children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. That's 20 times the average. Both those are from the CDC, Center for Disease Control. Listen to this one. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. That's 14 times the average. That's according to justice and behavior. 71% 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. That's nine times the average. Now, there's no doubt that children from fatherless homes are at greater risk of getting into all kinds of serious trouble. For instance, 70% of use in state-operated institutions, they come from fatherless homes. That's nine times the average, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. And 85% of all youth in prison come from, say it, fatherless homes. That's 20 times the average. 85% of all young people in prison come from fatherless homes. But what would Hollywood and Washington and the world All as minions of Satan's attack upon the family want you to believe that a fatherless home is just as healthy as any other home. The truth is, when Phil Robertson observed the most important thing is that if we must have godly fathers and godly mothers for our children because in so doing we give them the best chance to live a long and full lives, He did so because that's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible, why would we listen to anything the Bible says? It's outdated, it's outmoded, it's archaic, it doesn't make any difference anymore. It doesn't apply to our situation. But in this particular situation, it does. The Bible is very clear that God instituted the family, father, mother, children, grandma, grandpa, and in that he creates communities. And from those communities he creates uh, countries and cultures, all from that family unit. The principles and patterns in Scripture bear this truth out. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 22, verse 6 One of the most quoted verses says this, Start your children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not return from it. What's the context? Moms and dads, start your children off in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Paul reminded Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, All Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The biblical perspective of parenting is that parenting is really a partnership between mom and dad and our Creator. Moms and dads can't just do anything they want with their kids, they're not their children. They are God's gift to those parents. We are stewards. As parents of our children, just as we are stewards of our resources, but even more important is the responsibility and accountability parents have in partnering with God to ensure what is best for the kids. And I get, I grow so weary and tired of all the arguments with what's best for the children. We'll do this for the children, and yet if you say, "Well, what about bringing them up in the?" Training and instruction of the Lord. The Bible says that's what's best for children. No, 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 no. We can't do that. That would, be, that would be horrible for our children. So if anybody ever says to you they know what is best for children and they reject this truth from God's Word, you just know they're idiots. And I say that with anger. Because what they're doing is they're trying to, with their fancy arguments and Ways of speaking and and philosophies are trying to dismantle what God has built, which creates a solid family, which creates great communities and and cultures and countries. We are partnering with God to ensure what is best for our kids. Ephesians 6, 1-4 tells us what's best for them. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. See, God wants wants things to go well for us. He doesn't want our lives to be horrible. He doesn't want the lives of our children to be horrible. But if you're a parent or you're a grandparent and you're letting your kids or your grandkids be brought up without the nurture and admonition of the Lord, without the training and instruction of God, without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're dooming them to chaos and corruption. And you might think, well, that's okay. They'll get used to it. Every culture does. But we're in a fresh time here. We're experimenting with things that, as a country... And as culture, we have not experimented with before. Now, there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon says. But are we willing to hope? Are we willing to um, count on the luck of our children to grow up and have a happy, long life without Christ, without the training and instruction, of the Lord, without the principles and patterns that we find in Scripture. That's why all year long we've been talking about the principles and patterns of the Old Testament. To recognize that God exists and to walk faithfully with Him. Because when we do, we stay in step with the Holy Spirit as the New Testament describes. And God is able to bless us instead of us walking outside of His wisdom. In which we are cursed. Now, if God has a choice whether to bless us or curse us, His choice is to bless us, and He teaches us how we can be blessed. It is our choice to walk in the curse. But the blessing would mean nothing if the curse did not exist, because God gives us that free will to choose. Children, you get to obey your parents. You get to choose whether or not you're going to do that. It says honor your father and your mother. So if you're a young person here in grade school or a teenager or whatever the case might be, here's the thing that you really need to understand more than anything else, and that is that your mom and dad are going to follow you around for the rest of your life until they die, and then they'll haunt you from the grave. And everybody else that you choose to hang around in your life, they'll float in and out, get from you whatever they want, and then they'll disappear. They'll use you up, spit you out, and then say bye-bye. But not your mom and dad. Now, I know there are exceptions to this, but for the most part, moms and dads, that's what we do. We're there for the duration. And if we honor our mothers and fathers, especially when they're bringing us up in the Lord, obeying in the Lord then we know that it will go well with us and that we'll enjoy a long life on the earth. Here's the promise that God gives to us. He will allow us to enjoy the life that we have here on this earth if we abide in His training and instruction. The opposite is also true if we do not abide in His training and instruction. We'll leave short, miserable, faithful, uh, sorrowful lives. And then... Paul says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the nurture and training and instruction of the Lord. And we're going to dig into what that word exasperate means here in just a second. But I'm going to save that for moms and dads. Not just Father's Day, we're recognizing mom too. So parents, don't exasperate your children. Because what is it that leads to exasperation and frustration? It's when your kids are like, they don't know what to do. What should I do? What should I do? I don't know what to do. Well, I'll do what I feel like doing. And when they do what they feel like doing or they ask their friend or they go on Facebook and say, what should I do? And their friend gives them this advice or that advice. They're not getting the training and instruction of the Lord. So what is it that leads to exasperation and frustration in this generation of children? It is when fathers are apathetic about training their children in the Lord or absent literally or figuratively when it comes to instructing their children in the Lord. When Phil Robertson says we're in a fatherless generation, he's trying to help us understand that in a fatherless generation, there's an apathy that's created when it comes to training your children about God. Was your father excited or passionate about training you about God? Bringing you up in the Lord, making sure that you were honoring Him, loving Him? Was he absent literally or figuratively when it came to instructing you? Did he ever open up the Bible to you? Did he ever talk to you about what's in Scripture? Now, I was fortunate enough to have a dad that taught me every Sunday Scripture because he was our We worshiper, Junior Church uh, leader. And my mom was very involved in those particular things. She made sure we were in church. She made sure that we knew Jesus. And they set the example for us in that. We're seeing the consequences, though, of a fatherless generation fully explode in our country right now because we're seeing so much chaos and confusion exasperation and frustration and when young people are normally angry and mad they don't know what to do they just destroy you ever had a little one, little baby they get mad, you say no for the first time they pick up the first thing they find and they crash it down as hard as they can where's that come from? We're going to learn how to do that. That's exasperation and frustration, not knowing what to do, just coming out of us. And that's what we're seeing take place in so many of these communities uh, in Seattle, and Minnesota, where there are people who are rightfully protesting. And if they're doing it peaceably as the Constitution allows, that's fine. But when they start destroying and looting and burning and all those things, they're just throwing a tantrum like a little baby. They're exasperated and frustrated, probably because their fathers were either apathetic or absent. But before we despair, we must celebrate the fact that so many of our fathers have had parents who partnered with God with them and then that's the way they chose to bring us up. And if you had a father who did what they could to teach you about Jesus, to bring you up in the training and ex- in instruction of the Lord, even if they weren't perfect, if they did what they could, this afternoon you give them a call and you say, thank you for bringing me up that way. And if you have children, and you've struggled in this particular area as a mom or dad, and you're thinking it doesn't really make any difference, I'm here to try to point out to you, it makes all the difference in the world, because the chaos that we see taking place in culture is external, but that chaos and frustration is internally imploding in so many of our young people. And oftentimes that takes its expression in drugs and alcoholism and in the lack of the ability to have strong relationships with other people. And if you're seeing that in your family, it's because of that apathy or absenteeism of the father in that situation. Now, our Luke 3 and Me series has surely confirmed this truth for us because for 6,000 years we've seen the evidence that God exists and those families that believe that and they walk in His... Uh, walk faithfully with him as they, uh, as they proclaim the name of the Lord in their lives. And we believe in him. God promises he will see that line through, through every kind of chaos and corruption and difficulty and world change and national wars and everything you can think of. Now, I appreciate how Alan um, said that last week in the midst of all the things that were going on with the with the two different empires that were fighting with one another and Palestine was right there in the middle and the Hebrew children were always getting the brunt. When one would lose, they'd go and kick the tail of the Jews and then go on home and they lived in that kind of terror. But God still preserved the line through all that, you understand. This is confirmed in over the last six months. We've journeyed through the Old Testament as we've followed the, the lineage of Christ, traced all the way back to Adam and Eve, all the way up through Mary and Joseph today. And the biblical narrative of humankind has always been about family, about fathers and mothers overcoming challenging circumstances to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They didn't do so perfectly, but they did so sufficiently, sufficiently enough for God to preserve the plan through them of the salvation of humankind. He expects nonetheless from each of us, but when we don't, We see what can quickly happen in our communities because we start to see it in our families. Now, this isn't a criticism. It should be a confession, an agreement with God that we haven't followed the principles and patterns concerning our children, and we must repent. All of us must say, listen. If we have not taught our kids, brought them up in the instruction, training and instruction of the Lord, we need to correct that. And even if you have grandkids, you need to correct that. Make sure if your kids aren't doing it, you need to jump into the lives of your grandkids in that particular way. Now, Mary and Joseph, they were the parents of Jesus. The genealogy of Luke and Matthew helps us see, in Matthew's version, how it's through Joseph's line that we are traced back to Abraham. And then Luke, he goes through Mary's family all the way back to Adam and Eve. Jesus didn't need a mom and dad. He was perfect. He was the living example of perfection. But God still gave Jesus a mom and dad who would provide what was needed to prepare him For ministry. God did that for his purpose, for Jesus' sake, but also as an example to us. Mary and Joseph were not important or uniquely gifted, they were not rich, famous, powerful, or even memorable. But God used their simple faith and obedience to to provide the home in which the Savior of humankind would receive His training and instruction in the Lord. And none of us know how important that was in God's plan. But we do know how important it is in His plan when it comes to the potential of our children and grandchildren. Because He says right there in Scripture, Honor your mom and dad. Your life, you'll enjoy a long life on this earth. Parents, don't exasperate your children in this process by being a bad example to them. God wants our children to be blessed. And we know if we follow the example of Mary and Joseph, our kids could change the world significantly. Our grandchildren could change the world significantly. But we don't know if we... But we do know that if we follow the example of Jesus... God can use us just like them too. And today's Father's Day, and again, great job, fathers. Appreciate you very much. Love y'all. Hopefully, this expression of a candy cup will make you feel like you're loved. But we're recognizing our godly mothers today as well, because we didn't get a chance to do that in May because we were all quarantined up. Right now, it's a perfect time for us to celebrate the example of Joseph, Joseph and Mary, and their role of bringing up Jesus in the way that we all should go. And when we read their stories in Matthew 1 and Luke 1, we discover that both, when confronted with the reality of their role in the Christocentric narrative of humanity, they did simple things that, could, that God used to complete His story about Jesus. Now here, let us grab the context here. We're talking about the Christocentric narrative of humanity that starts with Adam and is fulfilled completely in Christ Jesus. And Mary and Joseph have to play a role in that story. Now, Joseph, his simple act was he accepted his role in God's plan. And Mary, her simple act was she acquiesced to her role in God's plan. Matthew says there in Matthew 1, uh, uh, he said of Joseph, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, which was to take Mary as his wife and raise Jesus as his son. Did he have options? Well, sure. But an angel appeared to him. But he still had options. But Matthew, or according to Matthew, Joseph did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary to be his wife, and he gave Jesus that name, and raised him as his own, as his son. Now that's not real complicated. He accepted the role God gave him. To bring up his son in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, Mary, according to Luke, when the angel appeared to her, the Lord commanded him, or the Lord said uh, some wonderful things to Mary. And then Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She acquiesced to the role that God gave her to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Now this was a double-edged sword, right? As Mary would come to know. She would get to raise the Savior of the world but also watch Him die on a cruel tree. God would make her pregnant. She would become pregnant by the Holy Spirit and then she would become the mother of the Savior of the world. That's kind of a daunting task. I know that It's tough for you mothers because you've raised the most beautiful child on the face of the universe, and that's difficult to do, right? But think about Mary's situation here. She knew that she was raising the very Son of God. But you know the feeling Mary has should be the very same feeling you have as a mother because you're raising children of God too. And in this particular instance, her example should give us all cause To stop for just a second and take a breath and realize that God has given us these children and grandchildren for His purpose. They're His children and we must acquiesce to our role in teaching them about God. Now imagine the excuses Joseph could have used to reject this role he was given. He had already thought about legally divorcing Mary. And if he had done so, he could have remarried and then had his own family, his own kids. No one would have ever known. Like I said, no one even knew who these people were. But he accepted his role in God's plan to be faithful to his wife and to be a father to his son. And Mary couldn't believe what she was hearing. She, would, she could have resisted playing the role he wanted to give her. But she acquiesced to God as a willing service at servant, as the mother of Jesus. And when we look at Joseph and Mary as dad and mom today, what incredible examples they were all to all of us because they did the simplest of things. They obeyed God when it came to their children by bringing them up, staring in the right direction, by bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, we might be overwhelmed by all the things happening in the world around us. But the things happening around Mary and Joseph in their days, uh, by comparison, were even more severe. They would have more excuse than we would to say, "Ah, I don't know if I can bring up Jesus in this culture. I mean, just look how weird it is. Look how strange it is. There's so much sin around me everywhere you look. But, Think about their lives. They would have to take a perilous journey to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey at the order of government officials just to register. They would have to avoid an assassination of their child by fleeing to Egypt. Their world was violent and cruel because of the Roman emperors and religious phonies of the day. There were crucifixions and killings and death and destruction all around them. But... God made them raise Jesus out in the country there in Nazareth. They simply raised Jesus in the training and instruction of the Lord day by day, bit by bit, investing and entrusting. And God did the rest through the obedience of Jesus. And as parents and grandparents, we might fear for the future of our children and grandchildren, but the only hope we have for them is found in the Christocentric narrative of humankind, which continues... Until the return of Christ. And that's why I've been saying. From the very beginning of the year. Be a part of his story. Be a part of his story. The Christocentric narrative. Because that makes us sons. And daughters of God. And we can. We can be blessed in the promise of God. Until the return of Christ. But we must be willing to train our children to follow the patterns found in Holy Scripture. We must instruct them to have faith in the principles found there. Just like Mary and Joseph, who might have carried a greater sacred burden, we still have a sacred burden to carry as well. And that is to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The principles of patterns that we follow in Scripture... It's just about knowing what the Bible teaches. It's just teaching them those stories, that God is watching over His people, His children. He's blessing, but he's also cursing. I love the clear picture of this described in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 through 20. My, one of my favorite verses, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And this is what the word or deed is he's talking about. He says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embarrass your children, or they will become discouraged. Whatever we do in word or deed, we're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We do that through submission. We do that through love. We do that through obedience. We do it when we don't embitter. Now, we all have a role to play in the family, and Paul expresses the importance of not exasperating our children, not embittering our children lest they become discouraged. And we do that when we exemplify and embody the very Word of God so that our kids and grandkids can see that in real life. How do we bring them up in the nurture, the training, and instruction of the Lord? By embodying that, by exemplifying that, by our decisions, by our words, by our deeds, they need to see Jesus in us. The worst thing that you can do for your kids is to tell them to do one thing and then you act a different way. Truth is, they'll end up acting just like you, only they'll reject the one you think you say you believe in, and that's Christ. For some strange reason, though, this culture, we have parents, moms, and dads who've abdicated their role as examples and have resisted the calling to embody the truth of Scripture. They'd rather be cool like the world. So what have they done? They've embodied and set examples of what the world would do in every situation. You know, you do it so that you are styling while you're doing it. You do it so that everyone thinks you're cool while you're doing it. You do it so that you're accepted by everyone while you're doing it. I hope we realize that waiting in the wings has been Satan, who will infiltrate your children with all those worldly things you've invested in your kids so that the word has no home in them. The consequences of this are devastating to the generation that we're looking at right now, Devolve. But we have the simple solution to help them be the change that is needed. You may not be able to help those anarchists in Seattle or Minneapolis. But trust me, when you talk to young people around here, you see the seeds of discontent that have been bred into their hearts and minds. It may not come out in them burning a building down, but it will be expressed in them rejecting and resisting God in their lives. We sometimes forget that things like racism and sexism are not new struggles. I had to laugh when someone said that we invented slavery here in America. Give that guy a stupid card. We've had slavery since the beginning of time. We've had sexism, racism, all those things. And God has always tried to teach us to deal with those things in his way. We talked about that when we did our section on um, uh, the Sham Ham, and Japheth, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. And how God has broken down the walls of hostility so that we could all be one in Christ. We sometimes forget that things like racism and sexism are not cured by worldly solutions. They're just made worse by them. The only thing that will make them better is through Christ in prayer. We told one story after another about how God's word offers solutions that will actually solve worldly problems. But when you reject the word... And you're filled with the world, you're not going to find those answers. This only works if moms and dads will acquiesce and accept our role in God's Christocentric narrative about humanity. So, what I want you to do with this message: if you're a father or grandfather, and you're here or you're listening to this online, or that somehow God decides to share this message with someone that just needs to hear it, I want you to accept, as a father, grandfather, the role God has given to you to love your wife and to raise your kids according to his principles and patterns. If you're a mother or grandmother, I want you, want you to acquiesce to the role God has given you to submit to your husband and remind your kids of the principles and patterns of God. The devil's already created an infrastructure that leads to the heart of our kids and grandkids and often we become unintentional partners with him in his effort to kill and destroy our children. We do so when we disobey God, when we when refuse to accept and acquiesce to his calling. But... If we partner with God, as did Mary and Joseph, in challenging and critical times to raise our children as they did Jesus, only God knows the difference that he will make in our world. It will be revival or resolution. This generation will either rise up and revive in the name of the Lord Jesus or God will bring to full, uh, fully resolve the issue that's before us and that is the issue of sin by having His Son Jesus Christ return. We need to raise our children in Christ. We can see the difference it has made in scripture and in history, and we can trust that God continue that difference as we direct our children in the way they should go. There's nothing so horrible happening in the world that God cannot heal it. And he may heal it through your child or grandchild. Now, I like having a partner when it comes to raising the kids and grandkids. I said, I don't think I've been the very best parent because I don't think I had the perfect parents. But like I said, they were sufficient to get me to where God needed me to be so that I could be sufficient enough to get my kids where they need to be. And hopefully they will be sufficient enough to get their kids where they need to be and so forth and so on. But many have fallen into the trap to thinking that it takes a village to raise our children and grandchildren. And so we have abdicated our authority and our responsibility to this world. But I disagree with that. I believe the Bible teaches us that it takes a partnership between families and God to raise the child. And if there's one thing we've found out, and this is no comment about public school, but if there's one thing that we've found out in the last three or four months is that we can actually survive with our children at home. Might might not like it, but we can survive. We've had 6,000 years of proof through the line of one family from Adam through Christ to us today that should be enough to convince us to partner with God in this venture. My question for you today is: That enough proof for you? For those of you might listening online, is that enough proof for you? God's ready to partner with you to help train and raise those children, so that it will go with well with him on this earth. Will we accept and acquiesce? Will we reject or resist? Let's pray.